Next Chapter Podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you're going to make a movie about the early 1960s, late 1950s, you got to put this song in it. Under the boardwalk. Under the ski do, on the ski do, under the ski do. It's Under the Boardwalk by the Drifters from the 1968 compilation album Golden Hits. It's also number 459 out of 500 on the Spotify original, The 500 with Josh Adam Myers. And guess what, y'all? I am Josh Adam Myers, the King of Fleece. Thank you guys for tuning in to the only podcast that's going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums. If you're new to the podcast, since we've joined Spotify, welcome. You are officially all sergeants in the Fleece Army. And if you're wondering why I call you guys Fleece Army, it's because one day I spent $2,000 on just fleeces. Um, it was like 1999. I'm not proud of it, but you know, I don't do that kind of stuff anymore. Thank you to each and every one of you guys that came to the goddamn Comedy Jam five-year anniversary party. Man, that was one of the best nights of my life. Thank you, Jim Jeffries. Thank you, Big J Okerson. Thank you, Brad Williams, etc., etc. If you've never been to the goddamn Comedy Jam, check it out when it's on the road or come here to Los Angeles when we do it at the Roxy. Thank you to all the people that are doing the Instagram stories. Uh, If you are listening to the 500, I want you to take a screenshot of how you're listening to it and tag me at Josh Adam Myers and then put a hashtag, the 500 podcast. Give us that ad. Help us get the word out. Let us grow this audience. This is a fucking book club using the greatest music of all time. Join in. Show us. Tell us you don't like the record. I love that shit. That's what I want you guys to start doing. You know, if you see my the picture that I post of the guest, tell us what you think of the album underneath it, man. If you don't dig the album, fucking let us know. Not all of these are great. Most of them are. Not gonna lie, I fucking love pretty much every single one of them. And we've got a doozy of a record this week. Released in 1968, this is a compilation of hits and other songs put out by the American doo-wop R&B vocal group the Drifters between 1959 and 1964. Now, I'm going to try to simply and clearly give you a quick history lesson of who the Drifters are because this vocal group has had the least stable lineup of any group I have ever heard about. The Drifters were started in 1953, so we're starting there, as a backup vocal group for singer Clyde McFadder after he left Billy Ward and his Dominoes. And he was then replaced by Jackie Wilson. Are you confused yet? Because I kind of am. Now, they had some hits. But then a year later, Clyde left the Drifters and sold his future shares in the group to their manager, George Treadwell. Now, this not only screwed Clyde in the future, but also made the group a revolving door of singers because Treadwell didn't pay them shit. From 1954 to 1958, there were too many personnel changes to cover, plus another splintered-off drifters group put together by former members. In 1958, Treadwell fired the whole band and convinced the vocal group The Five Crowns to become the new drifters. Atlantic Records handed production duties to Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller, who had been hugely successful with the coasters. This began the golden age of the drifters. Now, just to put a quick spotlight on the Drifters on this compilation, they are Ben E. King, 
Johnny Lee Williams, Rudy Lewis, Johnny Moore, Charlie Thomas, Doc Green, Gene Pearson, Ellsbury Hobbs. That's a great name, Ellsbury. Tommy Evans, Johnny Terry, and guitarist Abdul Samad and Reggie Kimber. You think that's a lot? Well, in the Drifter's career, there have been over 60 members. But guess what? I only have one member here with me today, and I'm not talking about my Kaduki. It's my guest, Eric Griffin. You guys know him from I'm Dying Up Here on Showtime, from his comedy special, Americ and Warrior, his podcast, Riffin' with Griffin, and also playing Montez on Workaholics. Eric was the only person I could think of to do this record because when he did the jam, he sang soul, and every song that he wanted to, to fucking sing was all soul, and I was like, this is the man. Let's get to the root of soul, and it's an incredible episode. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 Guys and listen free on Spotify or anywhere you get your pods, but mostly on Spotify. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. And for all things 500, like the incredible mixtapes that our guests are making for everybody here, guys. If you didn't know that, all of our guests are making you mixtapes. We've got all the mixtapes for you guys at our website, 500podcast.com. So guess what? It's time to say the thing I say every week. Here we go! With number 459 out of 500 with Golden Hits by The Drifters. Eric Griffin, there's an Eric Griffin, an Eric Griffin, an Eric Griffin. It's Eric Griffin. There it is, dude. Fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah, dude. Eric Griffin. <laughs> On this podcast. Did you? So, were you a fan of the Drifters before I asked you to do this? Um, I was aware of the Drifters. The Drifters is the kind of band that, like, you don't know who the Drifters are. And then you hear a song and you go, that's the Drifters? <laughs> yes. Dude, I had no that's them. I, I yeah. had no idea that all of these hits were by the same group. I know. I know. I know. That's I, Me too, because as I was doing research for the podcast, I was listening to the songs and I was like, oh, this is great. You know, but it's, it's it, you know, they have a very distinct sound. You know, a lot of the songs actually sound exactly the same. Yes. But but just but I guess that's just a sign of that era. Because sure. like, you can actually sing Under the Boardwalk on three of their songs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Dude, you know they're, I mean? they're living they're giving callbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They like, love that chord progression. <laughs> they're they're you know? just like, yo, it worked on Under the Boardwalk. We'll yeah. do it with sand in my shoes. Yeah. We'll yeah. do it on the wedding song. Just <laughs> yeah. keep running this shit back. I was I I by listening to this record, my my take was I didn't think I, I'm not saying I didn't think I was gonna like it, but it's I was just like ah, I probably don't want to listen to Drifters, and then we put I put this on, and I was just like, holy shit, this is this is the most Americana thing mm-hmm. I have ever heard in my life. This is like the most American music standard of excellence because everything on this record to me just sounded. Perfect. Yes, a lot of a lot of it was the same shit, but every song I just like got into my heart and as I was driving it just put me in a better mood. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that like but um I just think that the the weird thing cuz I'm not sure what's the year of um do you know the year of- So so this came out in 68. Well, okay, here, well, let's, so, so that's this. interesting. So let's do this. Our album is is number 459 out of 500. It's the compilation album Golden Hits by the Drifters released on 1968 produced by Burt Burns, Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller. Three of the most Jewish names I've ever heard in my life <laughs> writing for some brothers. But uh, I think this is their music uh, from the is like the late fifties up until sixty eight. Okay, so that's what I was looking at. Okay, so it's interesting because to me that's what you hear. Like I think it's this album's caught between between genres. So you hear them still trying to be a fifties doo wop band. You know, you hear them still trying to do that. You know, you know, the, just like the you know all the things they're trying to do. But then, but then they have this sort of like. In, um, the the musicality of it, like with the, that sort of calypso, like big band beats, and like like just very very vacation vibe, yeah, but, but very like a big ballroom too at the same time. Like some of the some of the music on the songs, I feel like they could be like, 
you know, like you're dancing with a with, with a tux on, and your girl's got a big gown, and you're just you're you're zipping through a you know like like a ball or something. So it's amazing that they have that sort of like uh, mix of genres right there. Like you could you could tell that they were coming through a transition with some of this music. You could see where they were going to go. Yeah. You know, like like if they had if they were like still making I don't even know if they're still making music, but like I could, I feel like if it was like eighties and nineties, they would have made a the transition into that too. You yeah, know? I think this was because this was a group that was just like it was cre- it was like created like in sync. Do you know what I mean? Like this wasn't like we they were friends. Oh, it was like making this the was, band. This was those producers, Burt Burns, Jerry Lieber, and Mike Stoller. These were the guys uh. that like got together and basically formed it. They've had multiple multiple lineup changes. So this is this is the Backstreet Boys. This is the Backstreet Boys of the late fifties, early sixties. You know that that's interesting because then it feels like then here's some white Jewish guys who don't have the talent to to perform, and they said, oh, let's get some people to like that that. And what, this is like Menudo was the same kind this of thing. This is uh, this is the <laughs> this is the fifties Menudo. This is and so they got and they got them to like oh so these are, and then but I, anyway you can hear the mix of genres though you know because I, I thought that, I thought that was kind of strange when I was listening to it I was like this sounds like a white doo-wop group you know like one of those like barbershop quartet sure yeah like the four freshmen that's yeah what yeah my dad yeah used yeah. to listen to I, I hear that but at the same time it's got this sort of soulful and like I said this like uh, calypso sort of like you know. Whatever that, there's a certain instrument that they play a lot that I can't tell what that is, but it's like a, I don't know, it's like, like like a steel drum almost, you know what I mean? And that's what gives it that certain style, that certain flavor. Um, I don't know. It, it it was good. It was like you know, you know, it takes you back. It's easy listening for well, sure. Well, you're into soul music though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but that's what. But what I'm saying though is I I heard that, but it wasn't quite there. Sure. You know, it wasn't quite there, so it's almost like you hear it and you go, "Oh, here's some black guys singing like, uh, the, uh, uh, like it's like as if, as if the Drifters were remaking white people music, and they <laughs> put and they put some <laughs> funk on it." You know what I'm saying? They I put mean, a little stank I mean, on a, it. There's a little bit of stank. There's a there's, little, there's, but not a lot. There's a tiny bit. And it's like, of course, if, and of course, they got that classic on there under the boardwalk. I mean, that's the one that I think is like a, you know. That's that's their so, their song. That uh, surprisingly, that's not their their biggest hit. It's not their it's biggest not hit. Not their What's biggest their biggest hit? hit? Is well, it we'll something get, on this? We'll get to is that. Is it on this? It's on this. Yeah, of course. Dude, oh. This is their golden hits. They're not yeah, putting like some mediocre shit on this. It's their most well known hit is under the boardwalk. There's or no what about way. what about uh fucking uh this magic moment? Yeah, but I what I'm saying is I think under the boardwalk crosses a lot of boundaries. I think that. You know, because Under the Boardwalk has been remade by different types of people many times. I've heard Under the Boardwalk with, like, you know, done in, in this, a way more soulful. It's just one of those songs. But, th- I mean, this magic moment's great. But that's, like, that, but that's that sort of big ballroom, like, you would see it on somebody, you know, you get all the classics for 1995, this magic <laughs> moment. You know, it's like, that, that's what that would be. But Under the Boardwalk is like, it, it, it stands up today. I feel like that compilation CD you were just talking about would just be this CD. Like that's <laughs> I know, I know, Every right? track that's on this yeah, would be is, that. It is one of those. All right, let's dive into the record, okay? Mm-hmm. So it opens up with There Goes My Baby. Peter, play a little bit of that for me. This was released in 1959 with Ben E. King on lead vocals. Uh, This went to number two on the charts. Now, Lieber and Stoller were the first producers who decided to enhance the emotional impact of R&B music by having an orchestra backing with string accompaniment. So this, they were rev- they were changing the game. So this song kicked off soul music for the 60s and 70s and even today. By the way, do you have enough incense or should we burn some more? I know, it smells like... I mo- mean, my throat is on fire right now. It's hot as fuck in here. And what, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand... I, I, all we're missing is a crystal ball on this table. To right like, you know, are we going to call our crystals are right yeah, there? Yeah, are we, are we calling our I'm, ancestors? Like, I'm, what I'm, are you doing I, in here, hey man? I'm sorry that oh I'm trying to. God. I'm trying to get present. And, uh, and is uh, this what you need to get present? <laughs> you have no idea what you I have need no idea. It's like this is so much. There goes my I feel like I can hear though. I feel like I can hear the the music of the '60s and '70s and even later coming from this song. That's you know what, what I mean? I, I definitely hear that. Now, what was the single event that set you off on the course that led you to where you are today? Oh, good grief! 
Um, it was pro. Well, it's probably my buddy of mine. Um, um, we would go to open mics together a lot, and it got to a point where he didn't really want to do it anymore. But I, I needed the crutch of my friend going to open mics, and then he just like told me off one day. If you wanted to comedy, go do it. You don't need me to do it. You know what I mean? And Wait, that, ending the friendship? No, or no, just, no, no. Or he's just, just trying like, to put the fire under your ass. Yeah, yeah. So the next day I went by myself, and then that was like the thing. It was like, oh, it changed my whole perspective. So that launched me into like attacking this business the way I have. And so when was that? How long ago was that? Oh, man. That must have been. That was like 2003. 2003? Yeah. So what did you do to assimilate after you didn't have your friend? Was that a hard transition? No, no. It was actually of- great because now you don't have to wait for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, why? What am I doing? What am I doing waiting for him to go up? Or like, you know what I mean? Let me just get the fuck out of here. You was know he know funny? Mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He was. He just was going through stuff in his life that it just he couldn't focus on comedy the way I wanted to. What is he doing now? Um, he's not doing comedy anymore. He's not doing comedy. No, no, no. I love that you're not telling me like he's doing <laughs> gay porn or something. No, no, no. It's like, like he got his own. He's, he's in jail. Life. He molested a whole town. <laughs> it was his whole thing, no. and uh, we don't speak about him anymore. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Um, All right, this goes into the second song, uh, If You Cry, True Love, True Love. I just wish I would have known this song when I used to DJ weddings because I would have played the shit out of this. Play a little bit of it. I want a wedding DJ to this real quick. (laughs) All right, doesn't the bride look stunning and the groom just look stunned? All right, table five, hit the buffet. (laughs) No, dude, I won't play Who Let the Dogs Out. The bride and groom made a goddamn playlist. You're going to bump my table? You're going to bump my table. You're going to fight me at your cousin's wedding. All right, table seven, hit the buffet. Right? So you would fight with people on mic? Dude, I got... <laughs> no, not on mic. That was supposed to be all off mic. But, dude, I got... Because I, I used to... They, when I used to DJ weddings, they used to... They used to the worst thing they ever did was say, you know, while you're here, your family, drink, eat, be merry. And I didn't really eat or be merry. I just drank. Funny thing about this, this is when another changeup happened. Uh, the Drifters manager, George Treadwell, got into an argument with the Five Crowns previous manager, Lover Patterson, who still had Benny King under contract. When Patterson blocked King from touring with the Drifters, the lead vocals on tour were sung by Charlie Thomas and Johnny Williams, who sang lead on this, in this recording. But when the tour passed Williams' hometown in Mobile, Alabama, he quit the group and stayed. Well, I guess that sucks for him. And it, it does kind of suck to know that, like, they aren't, like, really, a, they're not really a group. Yeah, they're not. The, I mean, you know they, I mean? that's, that's a kind I mean, of sucky thing. I bet some of them were friends. I bet they get, they were like, "Hey, I want to like you know that I'm in this group. Why don't we bring in my friend?" I mean, it had to happen like that. But it's just I know. But like you know, certain groups, even some of the boy bands that we know, they have a certain sound. But the sound also is specific to certain people's voices. So then, like to know that they have like that, these guys basically have generic voices that they're just singing parts, and then the the, the strings and the instruments have their own thing that that you know i don't know that's a, that's a that's yeah i don't know it's a little disappointing but, no i get it i get but, it uh, I it's, mean, still, it's still great i mean they got the guys they should be proud they made some great songs they made some great songs the writers and, you and know? The, the writers are rich as fuck yeah, I can the imagine. guys that sang it probably not all right. right well we just set the tone for the rest of the podcast <laughs> all right going on to the next one and this one is straight out of dirty dancing it's called dance with me uh i love this chorus so much play 42 seconds in brother put your lips to mine while the music blends we're no longer strangers 
yeah, this is like again, like uh, not surprising that you know it's very very dancey, very dancey. Yeah. So this is uh, Benny King on lead vocals in this 1959 release. Uh, uses a dance to close the deal with a partner. I love that. So this whole thing is like, I'm going to dance you into bed with me. I can just imagine what it's like. It's like, dude, I've been trying to fuck Sheila for the last three months. I've done the mashed potato in front of her. I've done the monkey. The fuck am I supposed to do? I was letting my backbone slip for two hours. She didn't give me nothing. What I do love about this song is what I said at the beginning. I think the string arrangements are so lovely. The whole album has a lot of that. It's great. Incredible. What do you think is the difference between picking up a girl in the 1950s versus 2019? You, you, You probably don't have to talk to her family. You know, you don't really have to like, you know, get permission. You just, you know, you know. It's, I mean, imagine it's not like you can, like, if I had to call someone, you know, you're not swiping right. You have to actually call their house. She lives with her family. You have to go through the. Hi, Mrs. Whoever. This is Eric, and I was wondering if, uh, you know, Courtney's home. You know, and then everybody's like, Courtney, you got a phone call. <laughs> and then like everybody's like, you know. Everybody's waiting, and she has to. She's in the, you know, in the she, kitchen. She has to run downstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh my she's god! He called Eric. Hi, and then everybody's <laughs> listening and watching. So it's not. There's no privacy. So it's and probably then different. Then she goes, "Okay, all right, bye." Hangs up the phone and turns around, and everybody's like, yeah. "What did he say?" So he's like, "He doesn't have syphilis." Yeah. And, and the mom's oh, like, "It's a little early for you to be having phone calls." Did you? I kind of miss those days, though, man. I, I miss when... Are you that old? <laughs> I, I'm 30, 39. I look 79. But I I do miss, like, the whole meeting a girl, getting her number, writing it down on that piece of paper, and that L- paper looking was... Looking for a pen, and yeah. Yeah, man. There was yeah. something... There was We had to work for, for okay. going out with a girl a long time ago, uh, and now it's like you, you literally can set up a date while taking a shit and not even have yeah. met the girl. Yeah. And, and, and learning a, like information that you kind of want to ask, um, you want to ask her on the date. Yeah. And now you're just reading this information instead of just being like, "Hey, so, you know, how tall are you?" Or, you know what I mean? Like, how, you know, this the small talk's been taken away. So now you got to you got to go in. You already have a dossier on somebody. Oh my god! You, you know, it's like you, I, I'm surprised on a date you don't go. You know, so from your Tinder profile, it says that you have two dogs, and you know. It's like, come on, let me find out some shit, right? Do you internet date? Have you? Have you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just have no luck with that because it's like I I try to do exactly what what you were saying is I don't want to like learn about them via text, so I just I just go, hey, let's you just want to meet for coffee during the day at Listen a normal time. Keep doing that until the because the person that says yes is the person that you want to go out with. Hundred percent. Just keep doing that. These yeah. ones that are like you know, these first of all, people are cowards. You know what I mean? They're cowards, and then like they're they're on their phone, like with this like like superficial communication, like women because that don't want to like um, like actually talk, right? Like you know, hey, let's talk. You want Facetime? You want to talk? Let's like, actually. And they're like, what? They don't want to do that. Then what are you talking to me for? Yeah. Like what is this? Get out of my face. So back then, it was a more of a like you had to actually take action. All right, that goes into this magic moment. Now, this is another Benny King lead and one of the most popular songs written by Doc Pomus and Mort Schumann. And it's a perfect Jeez, song. Yeah, I know. It's very Jewish. It's like Jumanji over there. In this Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> totally different movie, by the way. <laughs> Jumanji is a completely different Jumanji. <laughs> it's, my own, it's the only Jumanji I've ever seen. <laughs> Everything about this song, though, is great. The harmonies, Ben's voice, the lyrics, the music, just fantastic. Mm -hmm. This is literally from every 50s movie. And you can see it. You can see this in every scene. It's just like, Mm -hmm. and that was the moment I saw Sally. This magic moment While your lips are close to mine this is an incredible song. Uh, when it was released in 1960, it spent 11 weeks in the top 100. Oh wow! Yeah. How far did it get? Did it get to number one? Uh, I don't know. It didn't say. It doesn't say that. But uh, 
I, I just think this is a perfect song. You, this, th- you think this is their most popular song? I, I think this is up there. I, it's not their most popular song. We have their most popular song coming up. That's Save the Last Dance. Uh, I do think this is just a perfect song. Like I, I love the violin arpeggios during the intro. It almost sounds like a flashback from like a dream sequence. It just it's like I said, it's just you hear the song, it takes you back to a different time. Yes. Just, uh, yes. just a just a time it's that just beautiful it's beautiful music. Just it really is. Beautiful music. Yeah, like the the, instru- the, instru- the instruments. Yeah. You know, I I really like I really that's what I'm saying. I love the blend of you know, the instruments, the the strings with their voices. Like that cuz they're still they're still in there. You know, they're still harmonizing a little. They're still, you know, they're still in there. I, I just like all that on all their songs. Yeah. Uh, so, Eric, you've performed stand-up in the biggest venues in the world and on TV, on some of the biggest networks. What is the most magic moment you've experienced? My magic moment? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. That's a good one. What's a good magic moment? I probably think it was like... I think it was like the first time I ever that I knew I was performing on TV for the first time, and it was the Playboy Channel. <laughs> well, you, you were on Foursome. No, it was um, <laughs> it was a it was a I forgot the name of the show, but it was like a late night talk show for for Playboy chicks and porn stars, and then they had I was the comedian. Was it that Allison Lohman show? No, I, f- I forgot what it was called. It was like Night Shift or Night Calls or something like that. It was like one of those. But I just knew I was on TV, so I was like, ah, this is great, you know? And that was a moment that just, like, it's, did it start a bunch of stuff or what did it do? No, it's just like, it just, it just let me know. It made me feel like, oh, I could do it. You know, this is just a start. It's slimy, but there'll be other things, and sure enough. Probably... The most magical moment I've had was was when uh, I went to go see the Impractical Jokers. I was hanging out with them. I just on their cruise, and we were side stage, and uh, the uh, warm up was up. It was Sypha sounds, and Sypha was like warming up fifteen thousand people at Madison Square Garden. And I'm side stage, and he's giving like shout outs to people that are by the side, and they're trying to kill time. And he goes, yo, give it up for Josh Adam Myers and Jeremiah Watkins from the goddamn Comedy Jam. And he points at us, and we're like, yo. And at that moment, Sal looks at us and goes, hey, man, we've got like 10 minutes to spare. You guys want to go up there and be funny? Oh, wow. And I was like, are you serious? And he goes, yeah. And I just ran up to the steps. Of course, man. (laughs) And I remember I look back at Jeremiah. I'm like, come on, man. And he's just like pale white, Ah. moving so slow. And we went up there for like 10 minutes. And it was like, by having... No time to process it and get nervous from it. It was just like the most fun experience yeah, of my life, great, and I think that was times. I think that was one of the times. It's just that I realized that anything's possible yeah. in this profession. That's what I'm saying, and it's like we're we are in a career that is just it's just all magic moments for what we get to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All right, save the last dance for me. Now this is the their biggest hit. Ever. Is it Be- this Benny the top seller? Yep. This Benny King song release was originally the B-side of Nobody But Me, but American Bandstand host Dick Clark thought it was a stronger song, and he was right. Play the intro. You can dance, every dance with the guy who gives you the eye, let him hold you tight. I mean, I just feel that everywhere. That's just perfect. But again, that's the same exact music as... Under the boardwalk, <laughs> I, I'm not. It gonna... literally, it literally is that moment right there is when you're supposed to go under the boardwalk. But I'm not going to disagree with you. But I, I still think it's fucking incredible, man. It's it's just it's, it's nice they're, they're they're giving callbacks. They're definitely giving callbacks. They're definitely writing in their genre. But I mean these these songs are just two and a half minutes of gold. Uh, this is another Mort Schumann and Doc Poma song, but the story behind it is particularly inspired. I do love this story. Doc Pomus wrote this on the day of his wedding to Willie Burke, a Broadway actress and dancer, as he had had polio and was mm. confined to either a wheelchair or crutches. He had to watch other men dance with his wife. Wow. This was his reminder to her that he'd be taking her home. I mean, that's just beautiful. That melts my heart. That is just... A beautiful, beautiful uh, way to to get something like this to come out. What limitations of yours have you used to your advantage? Um, I'm funny looking, so there it is. <laughs> I'm not traditionally handsome, so I use my awkward funniness. B 
big guy, silly face, glasses, mustache, nose. You know, I just I use it to my advantage. I think you're gorgeous. You know what I mean. You know, I'm not like a ooh, who's that? You know, I don't know. But Maybe. you have to like, but you know, but when I sit down and talk to you, you know, then you're gonna like me. You know, so I just use all that as you know, you know, uh, humor is 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 disarming and. You know, it could be charming and, you know, you just, you know, carry yourself with confidence. But so I've always used that to my advantage. No, I dig that. All right. The next song, I Count the Tears. Uh, this was the last Benny King song sung on this record. I think it's a good uh. song. Really nothing special. So let's go on to Some Kind of Wonderful. Uh, the note that is about to be sung here is my favorite part of this entire record. Play it, Peter. I know I can't express. I mean, that's that's just fantastic. Released in 1961, this is the first of three songs with lead vocals by Rudy Lewis and uh-huh. was written by the then husband and wife team of Jerry Goffin and Carol King. How weird is that? How weird is that that this, not only is this group, it's, I don't know what to say about it right now because it's kind of it's weird because it's kind of like different writers you know, stepped in. And, well, that's, I mean, that's Britney it, Spears. And made it that's, their own. But this no, is, but what are you talking is, about, dude? Britney Spears, uh, fucking InSync, Justin Timberlake, all of the, none, none of them write their music. None of them do. No, I'm sure that, yeah, but. Like, Britney Spears gets her writing credit when she's like, ha, I added that part, the ha. Yeah, but it's like, there's still, but see, that's not a good example. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use them as a good example. This is like, you know, that's not, the kind of musicality and stuff that th- these people have, but it just seems like people just stepped in and wrote songs that are already like the songs that they already have, and then, you know, and then have, with a different singer, but still under the Drifters umbrella. That's just kind of weird to me. I, I suppose so, uh, but at the same time, it's just that's like they these people built a group, they gave them the music, and no, no, the, I know that's what I'm saying, that, yeah. but I know, but it's just kind of you know. I'm saying it's like it'd be one thing if like you had to like here's these producers who created this group because they wanted to get their music out right, so they do that. But then it turns into where it's like other writers can come in and give their music to this group, and then you know, so it all. But it all. What I'm saying is it all comes across like it's all the drifters, but turns out that it's just this hodgepodge of a lot of things, a lot of people, a lot of singers, a lot of different uh, people. Even the uh, you know, and then the and then they under this particular sound, you know, because it's not even like it's like, oh, this is quintessential drifters. You know, it's like everybody that came in kind of was like, oh, I want to write a song like that. You know, it'd be like it'd be like if you like went to, you know, Bon Jovi and they're they're hot and at the height and we're like, oh, man, I got a song just like, oh, I got a song just like that. Your song you do. Here it is. Listen to it. And they're like, oh, this this is just like our song. We'll sing this one, too. You know what I mean? Oh, Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. A lot. Well, I'm not gonna say every band does it, but there's a lot of bands oh, that do that, you know. And it's just, it's a lot of these people like they. I guess them, you wouldn't find that out unless you were doing a show like this, and you were like, you know, 
you know, delving into it and being like, oh, well, here's a new lead singer and uh, here's this. You, you know. would you would be well, not just as far as writing. It's every record seems to, not every record, but a lot of the records seem to have people that it wrote for them. Uh, especially in this era of music, it was just mm. the way that it was. It was like it's strange to hear. I mean, you saw that thing you do. Remember that thing you do? Remember mm. the movie? So they write the song, that thing you do, and then they go to the recording studio, and the guy's like, "Cool, you're under contract. Here is your new album. Right, right. All the music's written for you. Yeah. You're still the band." We could, but it's we're gonna we're pumping these hits in. All yeah. right, then we get to probably uh, your favorite on this album, "Up on the Roof." So this came out in nineteen sixty. Well, didn't you say that was like no, this under is, the boardwalk? Under the boardwalk. <laughs> God, they got so many. It's they're up on yeah. something, <laughs> down on another. Market. I know. Sideways they're under things. Car. They're on something. <laughs> they're like, they're going between well, things. You were, you were, <laughs> that guy was like, "All right, we put up on the roof. <laughs> Where are we going to be? Downtown. Yeah, let's go downtown. Downtown. Ooh, that's that's her song too, right?" Yeah, dude, it's coming out. That's what I'm saying. Have- well, it's on Broadway. It's not downtown. Oh. It's same shit. Same on shit. Broadway. All right, Up on the Roof. This came out in 1962. It became a huge hit in 1963, yeah. and I think this is a perfect song. Peter, play a little bit of it for me, bud. Let me tell you now when I come home feeling tired and weak. I go up where the air is fresh and sweet. Up on the roof. Yeah, it's a very good song. It's a fucking perfect song. This got into my soul. Now, this was also a big hit in 1962 in the UK for Kenny Lynch, one of only a few black singers in British pop music. Up on the Roof was another Jerry Goffin and Carole King hit. I love that Carole King wrote for the Drifters because I love her music so much. King had the tune and told Goffin to write about a secret place like a safe haven. He took his inspiration from the New York City rooftop scenes from his favorite movie musical, West Side Story. He has said these are his favorite lyrics that he's ever written. Now, You've already commented uh, that my apartment smells like Buddha's butthole and I got crystals yes, and, and shit like that. <laughs> uh, where is your uh, place to help you find peace? Um, God. I like the dog park. I'm a dog park guy. Oh. I go there every morning and it's oh, just, it just sets my mood for the day watching the dog runs. Yeah, I don't know if I have a place. I mean, I need Maybe I need to find a place like that. You know, because for me, I like to like, like lose myself in playing video games, and then. But I think it's like for me, it's probably, you know, you know, that moment right before you're walking on stage. You know, just like being at the comedy club, and like you know, that's where I feel the most creative. That's you know what? That's funny. It's like I I I've never thought about that as being a a place a peaceful place before I go on stage because I have so many emotions that are going through me, which is the guy before me just killed or or like uh, there's one person in the audience I want to impress or whatever it is and it's it's hard to settle down. Now I can, but I remember at the beginning and for the first even first like 8 years of stand up, it was mm, just yeah. that that there was that that moment of the unknown. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. do you like the unknown? Mhm. That's my. That's the favorite thing about doing stand up. Sometimes it's just like how it's going to be completely different every time. Even when you try to plan it to be the same thing, if you're like, "Well, I'm just going to run this set that I'm getting ready to take," doesn't matter because it's, like, it's, it's, it's just always, different. It's always different. It's like an Arnold Palmer. You know what I mean? The mix is always going to be a little off. <laughs> that might be my favorite analogy of all time, dude. Because I've never had an Arnold Palmer yeah. that's fucking the same, dude. And that's why I like ordering them because because occasionally you're going to be like. Ooh, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice, nice ratio. Yeah. yeah, this is oh, good. This one little, and too, they'll never do it again. You little, know what I mean? Too you much. make it the same way. They're like, ah, oh, sorry, <laughs> little too much tea in this one. Yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> oh, would you use green tea? Yeah, you use green tea. All right. Um, Carol King recorded a solo version of this song for her 1970 album Writer uh, with James Taylor on guitar. I love James. See Taylor. now, this is a thing that is gone from the music business, which I think should come back because that's an era where the writers got more credit than the artists. Yeah, this is not so a f- this, so this is like this is not an artist this is not a writer friendly world right now because back then cuz then it could be like I wrote a song and then like it could be like yeah, I might have like five different artists record my song. I do you like that or do you are you is you uh, against that? No, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. It's just but but, but back then it was like a, somewhat of a racial component too, you sure. know what I mean? It's like let's take a really good, good black song and no. give it to somebody white. 
and then they'll like you know they'll take it and everybody's gonna be like oh my god this is so good no, I, I you're, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna love this next song then all right <laughs> you're because this is a good fact all right on broadway so i think this is the closest song that came to rock and roll on this record play a little bit for me peter they say the neon lights are bright on broadway on it's the guitar strum. That's what. That's how I'm saying this is rock and roll. It's just that guy junk, guy junk. So this was written by another prolific married couple, Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil. Originally wrote this as an upbeat shuffle for a girl group about a girl coming to New York and dreaming of Broadway and stardom. It was recorded first by the Cookies in 62 and released first by the Crystals. Now... When Mann and Wheel found out that Lieber and Stoller had booked studio time for the Drifters for the following day and were a song short, they forwarded on Broadway. Lieber and Stoller liked mm. it, but to make the song work for the Drifters, the four held an overnight brainstorming session. They slowed it down, changed the groove, made it bluesier, and rewrote the optimistic lyrics to be about hard times on Broadway. Once again... Exactly how you would expect Jews to write for black people <laughs> is to change it. Just to be like, hey, Lieber, we got that Schwarzer vocal group coming back. We got to add some more Spilkes to the Tuchus. Like, you can just imagine them being like, but now what is, wait, can we make it more black? Can we make it more black? Have you ever been asked to be more black? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, at a commercial audition many years ago. Tell me about it. Well, it was just like, you know, I remember uh, it was me and this guy. You know, I forgot what the product was, but like the guy that went with me, the guy that I went in with, I just met him in the lobby. You know, where you, you know they bring two people in at a time. To Commercial the, auditions, are yeah, the worst. worst. And this guy was like, just sort of like he was a black guy, but he was like Carlton from Fresh Prince, black guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, preppy black guy, very preppy. So then, like, we do the read, and then the guy's like, he goes, "You know, I like that guy. That was good. You know, but can you guys, um, you know, just put some more on it? You know, like a." Uh, Put some street on it, and he's saying, saying, and I, and so I just said it for him. I was like, "Black." He was like, "Yeah," you know, like, like the, you, like y'all got a bowl of weed in front of you, and you just like chilling. <laughs> he's like, "You got a bowl of weed. You're wearing, you're decked out in Raiders gear." Yeah, it was you know? just so. It was like very much like he Ice was just Cube like this, is rolling a blunt. It's <laughs> a really quirky white guy, and then like you know. And then we did the audition again, and this guy, he was just like, you know, so like, hey, bro, you know, and I was like, we're not gonna get this. You know, what about just... what about now though? Like now, no, 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 it, no. So no. it's just gonna once you do you feel like that that Hollywood only does that of the of the younger beginning actors when no, you're first. I, a baby I think and... so, but I, but you know, Hollywood is you know it's a, there there has to be some discrimination in Hollywood because if you're looking for a particular part, yeah, if, if like you write a role and it, and you and in your mind this guy's white, then you're saying. You're calling in white people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If the guy's name is Duran, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you call it in white people. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> you know, so it's just, you it know, just is, it's, it's the nature of the beast. It is. All right, Under the Boardwalk, on these last three songs, Burt Burns took over as producer for Lieber and Stoller, and who the fuck names their kid Burt Burns? That is a horrible fucking name. The song was written by Kenny Young and Arthur Resnick as a follow-up to Up on the Roof, and even references that song in this opening line, which is basically everything you've been saying, Eric. So you are on the pulse of this album. <laughs> Now, I got to tell you this because this shit is insane. Uh -huh. This is something that, that blew my mind. So the band were all ready to record it on May 21st, 1964, with Rudy Lewis once again singing lead. But the night before, he died of a heroin overdose. Wow. So rather, oh, this is so bad. So rather than forfeit the studio session, they quickly rehired Johnny Moore, who had been the Drifters' lead singer in the 50s before he was drafted into the Army. He is the lead singer on this and the last two songs on the album. Ooh, imagine getting that call. Hey, lead singer died. Can you get to the studio? You know? Well, so I thought, uh, I thought Rudy was going to sing it. <laughs> yeah, he did. Rudy did. Rudy did. Uh, <laughs> Guess what? So you're going to be Rudy? singing. Also... Stay away from uh, the heroin on Spring Street. I'm just going to let you know right now, shit is bad. Uh, and Under the Boardwalk is recorded and released twice for the single and the album with a few noticeable changes. This version is a composite of the two separate recordings using We'll Be Making Love in the first two choruses and We'll Be Falling in Love in the third. Hmm. 
Where's the strangest place you ever made love? Oh God. <laughs> mine would be mine would be uh in the bathroom of Pelican Pete's. In the bathroom of Pelican Pete's. It was a sports bar. Sports bar. Ew, you're disgusting. Um, it was during the Redskins versus the Carolina Panthers when Stephen Davis uh, played for the Redskins. That's terrible. For me, it was probably a car with like a train going by. You were running train. No, I don't no. <laughs> Can we play under the bar walk now, please? <laughs> under the bar down by the street, yeah. on a blanket with my baby. I was surprised at this version of the song. That this ver- yeah, because this version of the song is like just the lead vocalist, but like normally under the boardwalk is a lot of like. A lot of harmony and it was when you get other to the voice. Chorus. I when know, but the- even I've just said I've just heard many versions of this song where right up top, that's that's what's going on. I I not saying that one doesn't exist. I just this is the only one that I really know by it, oh. and it's just it, it's we. Oh, the other ones exist, man. I mean, this They're is a, this- that, that song's been recorded and re-recorded thousands of times. It's, a, it's, sure. a, it's an American classic, yeah. man. It's an American classic. To All me, right. their most famous song. All right, I've got sand in my shoes. Uh, funny that you mentioned we're talking about uh, them doing callbacks. Similarly to how they made Under the Boardwalk, sort of a sequel to Up on the Roof, this Young and Resnick song is literally a sequel to Under the Boardwalk. It wistfully recalls everything that happened in that song and even uses one of its biggest hooks. Play 58 seconds in. I mean, they. they, they <laughs> I mean, they didn't even try to hide it. They just fucking yeah, took like, us there. Yeah, so listening to the album, that's why I was like, oh, there's like six songs that sound exactly the same yeah, as do. five other songs. They do. You know what I mean? But they're fucking good. Yeah, it's great stuff, though. Saturday great Night stuff. at the Movies. I really like the song. I'm by the sea. <laughs> Saturday Night at the Movies. I did like this one, man. This is this 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 actually seemed a little bit different from all the rest. Yeah. Along with the last two, this "Man and Well" song from 1964 really highlights how amazing Johnny Moore's vocals are here. Uh, he might have been the Drifters' best singer, mm. in my opinion. When I listened to this, I was not only reminded about how a formal experience going to the movies was for everyone, but how that was one of the only places that you could try and get a hand job in a popcorn box. <laughs> why why did people think that? For some reason that you like you can is that really going down like hand jobs in the movies? Yeah, you uh, you know, pop put a hole in the popcorn and, and you know. <laughs> I've never done anything like so that. Shit, I'm about to come. Give me that bu- give me that empty box of bunch of crunch. I've gotten, I've gotten a hand job in the movies. Really? The the, the 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 bad part about it is the cleanup. That's what I'm saying. Where do you put it? Well, I remember. Well, that's not. Yeah, dump out those junior mints. Give me that box. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you got to get napkins. <laughs> oh, that's so. That's why everybody's like, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take about seven napkins with this regular size uh, popcorn. Seven movie napkins is like one napkin. You got to get a. You know what I mean? They're yeah. not made uh, to last. It's like that club toilet they're, paper. They're, they're right? horrible yeah. napkins. Dude, telling it like it is, Eric. You want to <laughs> do some facts? Go ahead. And for the facts, facts, here are the facts <laughs> and the facts, facts. The producers and songwriters Lieber and Stoller met in 1950, sharing a love of the blues and boogie woogie. They started writing songs for black artists, including Hound Dog, for Willie Mae Big Mama Thornton in 1952. Her version came out in 53 and was adopted by several groups. Now, in 1956, Stoller was on his way home from Europe aboard the infamous Andrea Doria when it was hit by another ship, capsized, and sank, killing 46 passengers. Rescued by a lifeboat, Stoller arrived back in New York to Lieber yelling to him from the dock, we've got a smash hit. Stoller said, you mean Big Mama Thornton's record? And Lieber said, no, some white kid named Elvis Presley. Elvis had heard Hound Dog played by a cover band in Vegas Lounge. 
Lieber and Stoller went on to write 20 of Elvis's hits like Jailhouse Rock, as well as huge records for other artists, including Stand By Me for Benny King, Ooh. Is That All There Is by Peggy Lee, and Love Potion Number 9 for The Clovers. Uh, I think that is just incredible, man. To, to have, like, to literally be in such a traumatic event and literally, as you're getting back to land, if the guy was really like, did we? Because that's how every movie in the 1950s, the guy's waiting there yeah, like, yeah, dude, yeah. we got a number one hit, boss. <laughs> so we got a hit. And it's just to go from something so tragic and to have something good. Have you ever had anything like that happen to you where something tragic happened and, and something good then comes from that? Um, I don't know. I just feel like you survive. You know, we just were, were designed to survive. And if you allow yourself, yeah, you know, I think one of my good friends had died. And it just reminded me that, like, I, I'm claiming too many friends. And so let me just focus in on the ones that, you know, uh, you know shorten my circle. That's what it taught me. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, uh, you know, I was in that car accident years ago and and having Angelo die and being able to, you know, remember the things that he said to me. He was the guy that said to me, you know, you need to do something with music as well. It was like, you know, figure out a way to combine comedy and music. And I don't know if I if I do this. I don't know if I do the goddamn comedy jam. Right, right. If Ange doesn't die, I mean, it might have never happened. I mean, and th by doing these two things that, that have really, you know, taken my career to another level, I mean, it's, it's all just to honor him. So yeah. any way I could do that is incredible. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian MacKay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Uh, in 1972, after losing popularity in America and leaving Atlantic Records, the Drifters moved to England. They had a bunch of hits on the UK charts. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, when there's... Okay. A lot of people do that. That's very Backstreet Boysy. Very Boys Backstreet Boys, yeah. But they, but they started in Europe, were huge, and then came to America. Really? Yeah. They're such an... Boy bands are such an American thing. But now they're like... Not really. Really? It's just an American thing. The biggest boy grand of all time was not American. Who were they? <sighs> K-pop? Imagine. Imagine that he doesn't know. Wait, hold on. Let me guess. <laughs> Let me guess. Boy band? Yeah. The biggest boy band of all time, of all time, was not American. It's not Menudo. This guy's insane. The Beatles. Beatles aren't a boy band. Yes, they, they, they are. No, they weren't. They weren't formed like that. Not at all. They were a boy band. They were a band of boys, but they're not a yeah. boy band. They were a boy They didn't. Nobody formed band. them. They formed it themselves. That's not the, that's not the prerequisite to that's, be a boy yes, band. Yes, that is. Yes, that is. No, it is not. All right. A boy band is, no, see, you have a totally different definition. A boy band is a bunch of hunky guys. Okay. You think Ringo's that, hunky? What the fuck is no, wrong no, with there's you? There's always one ugly one, and he usually starts the band. Like in in sync, Chris Patrick guy, he started in sync, so he got his you know better looking, <laughs> you know, music musical. You are so far, Beatles are not a boy yes, band. They no, sure. they are not. They're, they're the biggest sure. band of all time. They're not yeah. a boy band. Yeah, they are. They are. They, all the stuff that happened to the Beatles, all when they came over here, all that attention. That's boy bandish. That's 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 because the, there's, there's that like, was the original of that. Nah, that's because there's like two channels on television. Oh, that's all you watch. So God, everybody watched guy. El Sullivan. Yeah, yeah, they were a boy band. They were not a boy band, <laughs> and they stole a lot of music. I'm not gonna say that they didn't do that, but I mean, <laughs> but they're definitely not a boy band. Yeah, we just have a different definition of boy band. We do, but yeah. Ringo is definitely the ugliest one in the band. We yeah, all we can for agree sure. on that. Okay, that, you know, agreed. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Be Consensus is <laughs> because of ugliest the, beetle. Go. <laughs> it's always Ringo. Nobody's ever going to say yeah, George yeah. or Paul or yeah. or John. They're all good looking. All right. Because of the ridiculous amount of member turnover through the years, there were a lot of groups performing under the Drifters' name. I'm saying it's weird. They're, yeah. like, the, they're like Blue Man Group. Oh, yeah, dude. They're, they're the Blue Man Group. <laughs> yeah. Uh, most had a few former singers, but eventually some didn't even have one of the 60 actual members. 60? Yeah, I know, dude. There were 60. 
You should see the list when you go to the Wikipedia page of how many people were in the Drifters. That's it is fucking. I mean. It's sixty. That's so. It's it's a lot. It's very weird. One. It really changes. Like what what really makes a band a band? You know what I'm saying? Like what makes them who they are? You know, the fact that you because imagine like let's like we were talking about the Beatles. Imagine if like you could just interchange people. You know you you know you know what I mean? Like imagine if the Beatles had sixty members. I mean, it's crazy, right? So I don't know. It's just, it's just a very fascinating... Well, if the Beatles were a boy band... Which they are. Which they're not, <laughs> because if they were, then somebody else would have just stepped in and taken over the Beatles, because the Beatles were only together for seven years. So at their, at their most popular, they all stopped. And and if it was a boy band, guess what would have happened? No, it would have been Frank, Tony, you Jim, and Sam. They, they haven't replaced. Been, they never. They never replaced anybody in NSYNC. They never replaced anybody in the Backstreet Boys. But you could Boys. take out four of the members of NSYNC. The only no, as long as you J- couldn't. Who? They have a st- specific sound. J C Chazé. And you're uh, the first person that said that name in eight years. J.C. Chazé and Justin Timberlake had a very distinct sound. And that that quintessential in sync is those two voices. Dirty pop. Yeah. Sick and tired of yeah, he picks dirty pop. Yeah, dude, that's the one that I played the most. And at, the Backstreet Boys also have a very distinct sound. Nick Carter and AJ, which you look very much like and sound like. Okay, they is that's the Backstreet Boys. I'm taking that as a compliment because he's a good-looking man. It, so. Well, you know, <laughs> you would be Ringo, you know. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is like they had a they have a very distinct sound. I would say more like 98 Degrees was a more of a band that you could interchange. Who does that song? Whatever I said, whatever I do, you could never. I just want it back to you. Want you back. Once you're back. That's a British boy band called O Town. Take that. Was another group. O Town was my liquid dreams. <laughs> see, I don't even know. Come on, I, girl, with my liquid dreams. See, Give me I, another one. Give me I another one. This couldn't is fun. even, if my life depended on it. Come on, keep going. But I'd be able to pick an O Town. Give me another song. Give me another band. Give me another boy band. I'll sing another it. boy band? I don't know. I think, I think something that, like, is playing an instrument mean that you're not part of a boy band? That's the question. Well, the Beatles are not a boy band. I no, I and I mean Beatles? that Eric, 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 Eric. I are mean for sure a boy Eric, band. I they mean, were the first original boy band. They were a band of boys, but they yes. were not a boy band. Yes, they 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 had the fanfare. It was all about sex but and that's, selling but that's, them. They didn't. They weren't. They weren't like like an industry created thing. They got together. They played. No, in small what are you clubs. talking about? Not every band that's considered a boy band is put together like that i just think it's british that's not that's not the the that that's what you you, you're that's That's, your definition that's what that's not my definition but i think that's the majority (laughs) no no i I do i I listen if you if you're gonna say are they a boy band in the sense that they're a band of boys yeah yes they're but they're more of a band of brothers Ugh. Ugh. J.C. Chazez didn't give a fuck about Lance Bass. Yeah. Think he cared about him? Because yeah, guess what? They're still friends. No, they're not. Yes, they are. Are they? Yeah. Call them right now. Let's well, find out. I know them. Let's see if they're Facebook friends. But getting back on topic, it's it's interesting how the Drifters could. They just it's so interchangeable. For sure, you could have sixty people do I know. it. I know, and and you know what the funny thing is, most people won't even fucking notice. Like, that's, that's I was about sad. to say that was one of the things I was going to say is that I didn't notice any differences, and yeah, all the songs we listened right now, it's hard to notice any differences. So this, along with other examples led by former Shana Na member John Bowser Bowman, Shana Na Shana Na Na, they had him co-author the legislation for the Truth in Music Advertising Bill. Really? The bill was created to protect legacy musicians from having their market diluted by imposter acts using their band name. Mm. Or brand name. Brand and band name. But that's weird because isn't this... This well, whole came, band feels like yeah, an imposter. But this is what I'm saying, right? is it came from this years later. And so far, this this law has been enacted in 34 of the 50 states. Where do you hope to see yourself in 20 years? Well, I hope I'm still working, but but I'm working because I want to, not because I have to. Yeah. You going to go out like Gene Hackman yeah. right at the end, do seven quick movies, and then fucking hibernate <laughs> forever? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why he was in fucking- Grow a beard like Letterman? Yeah. That's, I mean, in a sense, I, I already feel like I'm, I'm 
uh, where else could where I love this man. The fact that I got to sit down and talk to you about what a boy band means and get paid for it is yeah. the greatest fucking dream of my life, man. Well, we just have different definitions of a boy band, and I think that everything that happened to them, if there was TRL right now, back then, they would be on TRL. They would, you know, fuck yeah, I mean? but they do. But Eminem <laughs> went on. That's that was the number one show. I know, TRL. but they would got the same kind of attention that like. When you're a when you're a band like that, when you're like you know, it's all about these guys. You know, they're they're they're. How is One Direction any different from the Beatles? Um, how is it One Direction different from the Beatles? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Beatles weren't formulated in, oh a, in my a lab. God. They, but they were not. This though, is your man. whole formulation. How do you know? Because I've watched every documentary and read like twenty books on them, bro. Oh my God. Dude, I'm friends with Sean Lennon, John Lennon's son, and like he's told me they're not a boy band. It's the God. first thing oh, he, he said. Oh, to me. That's what we're... <laughs> first thing he said to me. He goes, "Hey man, by the way, you know, Beatles want a boy band." All right, so <laughs> you, you, you want to go hit Swingers Diner right now? And I was like, "All right, let's go." <laughs> okay, we're just we're gonna agree to disagree. Yeah, but I loved I love the fact that I even had a disagreement with you. This is so great. Thank you so much for coming on, brother. Oh, that's uh, all we got. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Final thoughts. What are your final thoughts on the record? Uh, my final thoughts are like that. This theme that we've been talking about the whole time. It's like. Um, I realize now that this is the last of an era where it was more about the producers and writers. It was very much about that and then them getting their music out through this, you know, this, this like platform, uh, you know, where you had the singers and musicians play a certain style and a certain, you know, certain genre and everybody could do it and, you know, sing it and play it, you know, so you can have 60 people and different you know bands and different you know what i mean yeah because it, it'd be like it, it's just so different in other areas like if you think of a band like van halen you know you got you got eddie van halen on guitar you're not replacing you, you know what you I'm saying? can't replace eddie van you know, you know what i'm trying to say no he's yeah, i get it There's, like that's from but like with the drifters it feels like you know i feel like we could be the drifters right now <laughs> five six seven I'm really, yeah, glad, yeah, yeah. I'm really huh? glad you had this opinion on it because that was definitely something that I never even thought about taking that angle with. Yeah. So it's it was really a good perspective on this record, dude. Yeah, um, but it's, but I, by the way, great record. It is great music. It's fun music. It's yeah. you know it's bubblegum sometimes because of the fact that like when you listen to if you if you listen to it in one sit down, you're gonna be like, oh, there's like five songs that sound the same, yeah. you know. But if you space it out over like it's a great. week, you're like, yeah. oh, oh, this, this is great. Yeah, this is fantastic. I'm but, going sideways. Out <laughs> <by the> sea. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I'm perpendicular. <laughs> it was a rumbus. I know. A rum- All right, I can keep riffing. Uh, Eric, this Please is don't. great. Thank you, brother. <laughs> this is great. Under the ski do, skiba Eric Griffin under ski do. For all things Eric, guys, go to his website ericgriffin.com, and you can find him on all social media at Eric Griffin. Listen to his podcast Riffin with Griffin everywhere you get your pods each week. I'll be posting Eric's Spotify mixtape so you can find out the musical taste that Eric has or any one of my guests, and all of that can be found at the website the500podcast.com. Email us. Tell us if you think this is great. Tell us if you think it sucks. You can just literally just say, fuck you, and that'll be good. 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or your favorite platform. But guys, listen to it on Spotify. That's our jam, dude. Listen to this album on Spotify. Everything. Spotify. Follow my staff at Avery Funny, at DJ Morty Coyle, at JT Podcast Exec, at Badass Wizard, and at Real Matt Pinfield. Now, we just listened to The Drifters from 1968. Here is some new music from our music director, Matt Pinfield. He chose for us this week, The Common Heart. They're an eight-piece band from Pittsburgh. Their sound is a blend of old soul and rock, and they cite both the Drifters and Otis Redding as an influence. They have shared the stage with everyone from Gary Clark Jr. to Willie Nelson, and their new song, Do Right, would be relevant in any era of rock and soul. Listen to The Common Heart on Spotify, and check out the link on our website, the500podcast.com. 
Now, if you want your music featured on the 500 website, please send it to 500podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and the artist that influenced you in the subject line. Next week is Elton John week as we go through his 1970 album Tumbleweed Connection. So you've got some homework to do. Make sure you listen to it on Spotify. Stay fleecy. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The The Corner Corner of Gray Street. Next Chapter Podcasts.